This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Power Talk on Power 98.7. Yes, indeed. 23 minutes before the hour 11 o'clock. The brutal winds have changed in West Africa. The winds of change that took most of us by surprise, the withdrawal of Burkina Faso, Niger, and Mali from ECOWAS. Wow. Massive developments, and we have to find out what is the impact of the withdrawal of these founding members of ECOWAS. So to help us understand this situation better, we welcome Lizelle. Low Vodren, Senior Advisor at the International Crisis Group. Elizel, good morning to you. Welcome to Power. Good morning. Thank you for having me. All right. We, we are also joined uh, by the editor at the Leadership Monitoring Group, Azubuike Ishekwene. Um, Mr. Ishekwene, good morning. Welcome. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Maybe let's start with you and ask the question that um, it's not happening for the first time, but it is quite different because previously one of the members of ECOWAS, Mauritania, left. And um, why then did Mauritania leave ECOWAS? And we know that now they've got what you call an associate membership status. And what does that status mean? Um, well, Mauritania left because it wanted at that time to join the Maghreb Union. Uh, and so it felt it was uh, untenable for it to be a member of the uh, ECOWAS and also a member of the Maghreb Union, which uh, sort of offered a lot more to it at that time. So that was why it left at that time. Uh, but as you said, it's also now trying to rejoin and uh, it has an associate status as, as of now. So. Uh, what happened at the time when Mauritania left and the current notice uh, to quit by the three members of the community are under entirely different circumstances. Yeah, indeed, indeed, entirely different circumstances. So, Lizelle, we all know that now the three big countries um, have, have left and they're calling it a sovereign choice. Um, and some of the reasons that they're putting forward it's, it's to say that ECOWAS is um, deviating from its original mandate and that's why they are leaving it and they're saying because they're now being influenced by foreign powers. Do we know exactly what type of foreign influence they're talking about? Yes. Um, actually, they are referring to, um, from what we can understand, to mainly French new colonial influence in ECOWAS, which it believes is behind the very harsh sanctions that ECOWAS imposed in July last year after the coup d'etat in Niger. You know, um, France has a big influence in that region, Niger, Mali, Burkina Faso. And um, it felt, the countries felt that 
um, the insistence by ECOWAS that the former president, Bazoum, be um, freed from house arrest, where he still is since that coup. Uh, you know, France is behind it, maybe other European powers. So that's the accusation. As as uh, as other guests said, uh, the issue with Mauritania was completely different. Here we have states that have really been at loggerheads with ECOWAS. There's a lot of acrimony and you can even hear in the statements from the leaders, so all three of those countries now have military leaders, they are angry at ECOWAS because they feel that, first of all, there were these harsh sanctions, as you say, and also uh, they say that ECOWAS hasn't been helping them in their dire fight against jihadist threats. I mean, think we must never forget that those three countries are really under under siege, a specific country like Burkina Faso by by jihadists, and they feel that this pact that they have now created, the alliance for the Sahel states, will help them even with cross-border security. So it's it's in a context of, um, I would say, acrimony and a standoff almost between them and ECOWAS. Let me go to Mr. Eshekwene. The withdrawal of these three countries, uh, I will come back to the security issue, but I want to, to touch on this one um, because when it happened, obviously people are commentating about it, um, some in support of it, some against it. But one school of thought uh, in support, it was in support of this decision by these three countries to leave the block. And they were saying they are tired of exploitation by foreign countries or foreign powers. So what these three countries have done and what they want is to make sure that the resources of Africa or their countries are protected and they benefit the people of Burkina Faso, Niger, and Mali. Is that part of the reason? This school of thought, has it been, does it, yeah, so that, that is one school of thought. Is it, is it something you agree with or have you got a different view to that? Uh- well, let me just uh, sort of correct um, an impression, if I may. Uh, what they have done is to give a notice to withdraw. So under the protocol of ECOWAS, um, a member cannot just pull out. And so you have to give a notice, uh, which takes one year to process. Uh, of course, those three member countries had, had been suspended before they issued the notice to withdraw. So um, the jury is out on whether uh, the notice the one-year notice is viable since they are currently under suspension. But let me come directly to the question of exploitation. I mean, um, of course, I mean, uh, these are sovereign countries and they are entitled to use the resources. Each country is entitled to use its own resources for the benefit of its citizens. I'm sure you in West Africa, in West and Central Africa, have their trade. 50% 50% of their treasuries directly tied, uh, linked to 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 Paris, uh, and also in uh, uh, Mr. Ishikwini, uh, we, 
uh, we're beginning to lose the line. I'm not sure if uh, if if you have changed your position, go back to the original position. Um, All right. We're, we're can, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. I, I haven't changed my position. I'm sure. I'm sorry about the. Uh, no. But I'm, I'm just sitting exactly where I. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know where you lost me, but let me just try and dial back a bit to the uh, yes. point about exploitation. Yes. Uh, um, which um, I, I think is the, sec- is the main point of your question. Yes. Whether the, the 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 school of thought that is talking about exploitation, whether that's 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 correct or not, uh, and my response to that is that each country is entitled to use the res- its own resources for the benefit of its citizens. And, of course, um, there are, there's also been the, the argument about um, what French, the French, the influence of, of France in about 14 of the countries in West and Central Africa, whose treasuries are tied directly to the treasury in Paris, 50% of, of, of their treasury tied directly to the treasury in, in, in Paris. But these are sentiments which um, the, uh, the military regimes have expressed. And they, of course, they are popular sentiments. Uh, Areva, for example, which operates in, in, in Niger, has monopoly of uranium deposits there. And, and uh, the, the GDP of um, what, what the profit that Areva makes is 50% of the GDP of Niger. So, yes, there's a valid argument. But the question is, if two wrongs don't make a right, you don't try a third one. Uh, the whole point of the community is also to see how uh, it can help members address some of these problems. So if these countries have a problem with, with, with France, of course they should deal with it. And some of these problems are also problems in which the elite in these countries are complicit. So they're entitled to deal with those problems, but they do not have to spite the community to, to address these problems. Uh, that really is my view, because the community is, uh, has, has, has also has mechanisms for addressing some of these grievances. And uh, I am not sure whether these this countries explore those, communisms for, uh, those uh, mechanisms for redress before they issue the notice to withdraw. Yeah, interesting. Interesting indeed. And, uh, and, uh, and I'm glad that you, you mentioned the fact that there are still suspension and the whole issue of withdrawal will be processed and it will take a year. So, Lisa, but we see that an extraordinary uh, meeting will be convened on February the 8th. So that is what? In, in two days' time? Today is the 6th. Yeah, mm-hmm. in two days' time uh, of the Security Council of ECOWAS to, you know, to... Uh, maybe to process these these particular issues, but w- what do you think will be top of mind um, uh, in terms of this uh, particular issue? Because it is quite a worrying issue, and uh, it really shows how important it is. Because here we are, um, the Equus Security Council is convening an extraordinary meeting, meaning that it was not a scheduled meeting. So it, it really shows that they need to particularly pay attention to uh-huh. the, the the concerns raised by the three countries. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the, it's very important that ECOWAS um, Security Council, but also the heads of state um, uh, meet to discuss the implications of this withdrawal. Um, absolutely. Uh, legally, it's a one-year process. So um, citizens of ECOWAS are hoping that their ECOWAS passports, for example, are still valid. There was a lot of anxiety when the announcement was made 
by these three countries that this withdrawal would be immediate. People who were, you know, in Ivory Coast attending the African Cup of Nations were wondering whether they could travel with their ECOWAS passport still back to Mali or wherever. You know, I mean, it, it really created a huge uncertainty because the 15 member states of ECOWAS all had have um, ECOWAS passports, which is something, you know, we don't have here in SADC, for example. Um, and, and trade, these are landlocked countries that are really have, have small economies, despite the fact that, uh, um, you know, as, as, as discussed, there's uranium in, in Niger and gold in Mali and so on, and in Burkina. So um, these are landlocked countries. They need uh, access to the sea. So there are many issues, legal issues, that uh, need to be discussed by the ECOWAS uh, um, heads of state and then um, security, obviously. The impact uh, of of withdrawal and um, would also impact on the security eventually of coastal states like Ghana, Benin, Togo, who have been fearing these last couple of years that this um, security threat from, uh, the, in the Central Sahel would move down to to west uh, to the coastal states. Now. Um, they are already, uh, you know, because of the sanctions against uh, Niger and so on, there are already uh, um, problems at the borders. Um, you know, they've been, um, uh, example, uh, Benin uh, for a long time didn't open its, its ports to exports from Niger. So, so the security aspect is extremely important, but also the practical implications for people on the ground who are used to being part of actually an ECOWAS community that works fairly well for its citizens mm. because it has got uh, uh, these advantages of free movement and free trade. The voice of uh, Lisa Law Vaudron, Senior Advisor at the International Crisis Group. I'm also joined on the line by Azubuike Ishikweni, Editor at the Leadership Monitoring Group. And feel free to join us if you want to weigh in into this conversation of continental and international importance on the withdrawal of uh, three countries uh, from ECOWAS. Um, yeah, so we've had legally it might happen after a year or so, or it can be reversed in the process, obviously, the, depending on the discussions that are going on. We know that in two days' time, uh, Security Council, of course, will meet to discuss these particular matters. We'll follow those discussions with great interest. Mr. Eshikwini, let's... Um, turn our attention on the African Union. They've spoken so much about uh, peace in the continent um, and there was a specific uh, phrase that they put. Um, it was what? Um, drumming for peace or there was a specific term that they used for, for peace in the continent. So in these developments in ECOWAS, what role, if any, can the AU play? Well, I mean, the AU um, has, you know, it, 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 it's a major concern in the AU because, um, you know, these countries involved are also very strong members of the EU, as you have said. And um, in, in West Africa, for example, and much of Central Africa, there's what is now imagined to be a so-called cool belt. So in the last, um, in the last four or five years, about five countries in the sub-region, uh, there have been unconstitutional changes in government in these countries. And that's been a major source of concern. 
for the EU because there appears to be a reversal of the gains that had been made in the last century in terms of democratization and the rule of law. Uh, so obviously this is a matter of very serious concern to, to the AU. And of course the AU will be uh, taking a lot of advice and also providing strategic support uh, to the regional bodies in terms of how these matters can be resolved as quickly as possible. Um, because as, uh, as Liz has said, the, 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 each, the points at issue are both economic and affect people on the ground, and they are also political. Because uh, if you look at West Africa, for example, about 30% of, of trade, uh, you know, informal, of informal trade in the, is, is, is within the ECOWAS space. About 30% of, of trade is, is, is really at risk here. Uh, trade conducted informally by, by ordinary people on a day-to-day -day basis. So that's at risk. And these three members who have threatened to withdraw are also members of the uh, multinational joint task force that uh, is supposed to help provide security against uh, insurgency, especially in, in, in many states in the Sahel and, and also in, in, in Western Africa. So uh, it, there's a lot that is at risk, and I'm sure that the AU is also very concerned about the potential knock-on effect of this sort of trend, you know, uh, on, 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 on the continent as a whole, especially a continent which at the turn of the century appeared to have been moving away from, from military coups and all of that towards the democratization and the rule of law. And then suddenly there is an upsurge on, 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 in, in terms of unconstitutional changes in government. And that seriously is a matter of a very great worry, I'm sure, for the, for the AU. Yeah, indeed. Um, the EU was talking about silencing the guns in the continent. Yeah, that's the, the, the phrase that they use, silencing the guns. And I'm particularly bringing this aspect in this conversation because in the SADC region, uh, Lizelle, we are also experiencing this bit of a challenge in Mozambique, you know, at the Cabo Delgado province, we know that conflict there that has been going on. And I know that South Africa, for instance, has deployed uh, its its soldiers to, to go and support the, the, the Mozambican government and so on. And you have mentioned earlier that part of the reasons why these countries are withdrawing and what the military generals are saying is that they are not getting support in the in the fight against the jihadists and, and so on and so forth. You know, can Mozambique? Um, so can we say that it's a different approach that Sado that Sadek took as opposed to what? ECOWAS took because we know, uh, uh, and, uh, and I don't think it's only South Africa that is supporting uh, uh, the Mozambique and CA. Can we say the, the two are being approached differently? Yes, I think that's a very interesting question because the SAMIM, you know, the Southern African mission in Mozambique is um, made up of, as you said, mainly well, South African uh, troops, the Tanzanians, Lesotho, Botswana are the most, um, you know, have given the most troops. Angola and Zambia has provided some air support. So it really is a joint effort um, in Mozambique. And then we have this um, separate bilateral deployment of Rwanda that was negotiated separate, separately between Mozambique and Rwanda. 
And I must say, if we look now, uh, the deployment started in March, 20, uh, just after that big March 2021 attack uh, in Cabo Delgado. It has been fairly successful up to now to contain this jihadist threat, which we were all very, very scared of and that we thought was going to rapidly expand across mainly Tanzania and maybe even Malawi and South, uh, the next provinces of Mozambique. So, um, as you say, it's been um, it's been fairly successful. It's a joint effort, but at one point it was also a touch and go because there were talk that France maybe deployed troops because they have these big French uh, total uh, gas interests in Mozambique, and you know the Southern African countries were very very adamant that we don't want foreign troops on our soil. So the way I understand it, I mean, others might differ, but in ECOWAS, there was uh, an attempt by ECOWAS in 2013 to actually deploy troops when Mali was, you know, the northern Mali was occupied by separatists and so on. And then France deployed troops. And ever since then, France had like 4,000 troops in that region. Then we also had uh, the UN troops in Mali, the European Union. So the approach, I mean, ECOWAS tried, I would say, and then there was all these multinational forces from Europe. Whereas here in Southern Africa, we almost, I would say, um, uh, you know, managed to <laughs> avoid that kind of scenario where where we had foreign troops and then um, having that difficulty where the the, the countries felt that they, um, you know, were now struggling with an insurgency and that these, let, I mean, I'm speculating, but let's say the French troops were only looking after the interests of of the gas companies and not looking after the lives of ordinary Mozambicans. And so it could have gone very wrong. But fortunately, you know, the right decisions were made, I think. Yeah. All right, as we conclude our, our conversation, I think I might give uh, Mr. Azubuike Ishukweni um, the, the final say on this one. And we spoke earlier about the importance of um, resources being utilized for the benefit of the people of the continent. I wonder, because... We currently have what we call African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement, and um, a number of countries, I think over 40 countries, have signed that particular agreement, and some are still joining and so on. And that's just a way of improving trade, you know, within the uh, within the continent and so on, as if it's like a conscious decision by African leaders that it is about time that we bring unity and we make sure that we say we trade amongst ourselves and we safeguard our resources. Actions like the withdrawal or the the intended withdrawal um, of the three countries from ECOWAS and so on, do we think they might derail this uh, bigger picture of this African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement, Mr. Shukwene? Oh yes, um, that that's clearly um, a risk and it's it's a clear and present danger uh, between Niger and, and and Mali alone. I mean, between Niger and Nigeria alone, uh, the the trade. Uh, between both countries in 2022 was something in the order of uh, uh, $200, uh, $200 million. I mean, that's the trade between those both countries alone. And uh, it's it's on a much wider scale if you you know you put that 
in the context of uh, the entire um, on the context of the entire West um, Africa. So um, anything that further hinders the uh, very laudable vision of uh, the African Free Continental Trade Agreement, uh, such as we have in our hands, uh, will not will not certainly will not go well for 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 the continent at all. Uh, because as um, Lizzie said, at some point also uh, about the, the difficulty with landlocked countries, uh, statistics show that out of about 32 or so landlocked countries in the world. Uh, 16 are among the poorest, and of this number also, you have the three countries that are threatening to pull out of ECOWAS. So that is not going to all go well once there will be changes, all sorts of changes that will affect ordinary people in terms of movement and free movement of goods and services and exchanges. And I think that both the countries involved, uh, the region and the continent will be the poorer and the worse for it. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you so much for your great insights. Thank you. My special guest today. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Yakal Lotefu, standing by with the news. It's a touch after 11. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.